Well, we uh, we didn't mention it, but you might have noticed Pastor Sal is nowhere to be seen. Um, I saw that beautiful blue scooter out there, which is like, ooh, that's nice. Well, Pastor Sal is on a trip, and he's on his motorcycle, one of them. And maybe I'm jealous, but that's not about me. All right, so with that being said, um, Pastor Sal, let's just continue to pray for his safety. He'll be coming home tonight, and we definitely want him to come home safely. Um, and today we have a, a treat. Pastor Bill Seibert will be preaching uh, from God's Word today, and he is, I've had the, um, the long history of, uh, in fact, my wife and I have had the, the blessing of serving under him and his wife, well, no, I'm sorry, being a youth, being in their youth group, <laughs> I'm so young, so we were, uh, we were in their youth group way back when, back in, uh, back in the 1900s. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. 1990s, okay. The late 90s. Okay. And uh, he, we've been kind of following him around, it seems like, and we've been bouncing and meeting past, um, and we, we were part of a church that he started, and uh, it's been a long road, and God has used him many mighty ways. Uh, him and his wife, they're a beautiful team. And uh, let's give him a warm welcome, because he is a great man of God, and we, uh, we'll, we'll be blessed today. So. Oh, there we go. I'm on. I, uh, um, those of you guys know Ryan. Ryan absolutely follows no one. And uh, so when he says that he, he, uh, he, 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 he followed us or he, he served under us, that is not, that is not accurate. And I don't, ever, um, I don't ever take the position of people serving under. They served alongside of us. In fact, God, God works with this man in crazy ways. Like, and I got, I'll tell you this. I had a whole introduction I'm going to do, but I'm just going to do this. Ryan... Um, when we began to pray about the crazy idea of starting Imagine Church, which was absolutely a crazy idea, it wasn't anything that we ever thought we would do or wanted to do or any of that, we said, all right, we'll just be obedient and pray about it. So we began to pray about it, and I said, God, if you're going to do this thing, you're going to open every door, you're going to bring everybody, and you're going to bring all those things that need to happen so that we could have a church service. And I hadn't talked to him in a couple years um, at this point, and out of the blue, he calls me up, hey, Bill, how you doing? I'm like, whoa, like, how are you doing? And he's, he's like, oh, you know, we're just bouncing around. We're looking for a church right now. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. And uh, long story short, that um, they came alongside of us and started Imagine with us. And he, he and his wife led worship for us. And uh, what I loved about it um, is, like, I never ask, ever ask anybody, you know, um, I don't go to, hey, hey, Ryan, this is what we're going to do. I need you to do these five songs, and we're going to do that. I don't do that. I'd always plan my message and then let Ryan do his worship. And the amazing thing about it was is that his, more often than I can count, every song he would pick for worship would line right up with the message. And what's funny is the Pastor Sal asked me to do, um, do this. asked Ryan to call me and ask me what songs I wanted to play from this. I gave Ryan two songs. One, the very first song, which he... Um, uh, Vonda has preached half my message on me, so um, so I'm glad he got I'm glad he got those those Greek and Hebrew words out, man, because I can't I can't say them ever right, and I'm glad he knocked that out. So you won't hear me butcher any of those words today. So you're in luck. Um, and then uh, um, uh, every song, and Ryan's going to do another song in a moment, which again that's why he's still up here. Um, him and his wife have are still doing that because we're going to do another song in a moment, but. Every one of those songs that he did, and like I'll probably pull his notes off his thing and just talk to him through the message, but every one of those songs lined up with where we're going to go with today's message. And, uh, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence. That's the leading of God. 
you know, when, when you're obedient and you're faithful and you love God above everything, he begins to line everything up and, and, and does that. So, um, including where um, Pastor Sal left off last week, right, um, in Galatians, right? What an accident. Pastor Sal asked me probably a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, to speak on this this week. He said, hey, you know, I'm going to be gone on the 6th. Would you be able to speak that week? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, um, he asked me, you guys know we got this revival coming up. He asked me to take, um, uh, take a part of that. And so me and my wife were going to head up the prayer area of that. And he asked me to, um, to um, go to that. And I'll talk about that in a minute in my message here. But where we left off with uh, Galatians last week, um, Pastor Galatians 5, 13 and 14, it says, um, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in humble love. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, song, the verse we're going to be sticking with most of the day is, is Matthew. And again, we'll, we'll actually touch in Deuteronomy and we'll touch in Leviticus, the second part of this. Um, we get into this, but Matthew 22, 37 and, and, uh, through 40, it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophet hang in these two commandments. And then uh, um, back in uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, it, it says this in 40, 43 and 44. It says that you've heard it was said, to love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. So the question I want to ask you is, how do we love somebody that is my enemy? Right? How do we love somebody that's my enemy? And, you know, and, and the truth is, is that, that um, it, it's, it's nearly impossible to love somebody that's your enemy. It really, really is. And yet, Jesus tells us as, as a child of God that that's what we need to do. That's what's going to, that that's what's going to point us in the direction to walk. That's what's going to show who God is in our life. And, uh, and, and I'm, you know, I'm sure, again, most of us have a problem with that, right? Especially in today's, today's you know, um, cultural environment that we're in. Man, hate seems to be running rampant. And so how do we love those that, that we're having an issue with? So the, 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 um, the, uh, uh, the question really comes down to why should I love others and why should, why should um, I love my neighbor as myself or my enemy? And, and there's a couple reasons that, w- that we could touch on, but there's one that stands out above the rest. And, and you hear Pastor Sal say it in almost every one of his messages, is that is the grace of God. The grace of God is what should motivate us to love our enemies. Because if we think of, if we, I know what I'm capable of, Right? I know what I'm capable of, but yet, and I know what I've done, and I know what my sin put Christ on that cross. I know that that did that. And because he still loved me and he showed his grace on me, um, I should be motivated for that, that I've been forgiven. So I've asked Ryan and Suzanne to sing one more song before we get into the message and uh, most important one that you'll hear.
go back to Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. Amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. <sighs> Man, if we think about the grace that, that God has given us. I'm going to hand you these, Ryan, because I should have handed these out before service, but I forgot. So I'll ask you to hand those out in a moment, and we'll go over that. You know, can I have one? Um, <laughs> thank you. I meant to get those out earlier, and uh, I didn't get those out. So um, it... it when we, when we think about it today, like, like if you look, like, obviously, you know, I'm here at my church. My church closed, right? Um, you know, we went, we were renting a school. And I, I've shared this with most of you, but um, when we were renting a school for 16 years. We were renting a school. had a great relationship with the school, and uh, um, it, was, it was a great relationship. COVID came along. School shut down. Couldn't go to school, go to the church anymore. Tried to do the Zoom thing. The Zoom thing kept dwindling, and... Uh, and uh, we got to the point, we still had a good body left, but, but uh, um, I felt like that I was holding on to the Lord's resources because they were all wanting to stand right behind me and like, oh, we're going to be with you to the end. I'm like, uh, no, don't follow me. Follow, follow the man that I follow is, has been my motto, you know, for my entire ministry. And me and my wife have been in ministry about 26, 27 years um, from, you know, you think of back in the dark ages when Ryan and Suzanne were back in there, they, we were, that was a long time ago we were back in. And that, so we've been involved in ministry for for um, quite some time, and and we've seen. I grew up in the church too, and and uh, you've seen a pattern, right, where the church has fallen off. You know, the church has fallen off, and I think um, that that Pastor Sal he sees that too, and that's why he wants this revival that that we're planning. Um, he wants to light a fire, especially in believers, right, to get back to where we belong with the Lord, because when people see. Um, when they see a child of God living, like like I've ride the roller coaster thing. I got four teenage daughters. I've you know I've lost jobs that I thought were going to be my career, and you know and God said no, we're going to take you this way. And I'm like, whoa, God, I don't want to do that. And then I find just the greatest pleasure in doing that. But when we're and then I, I ride the roller coasters in that because like I'm all over the place right now. I apologize with this, but I will get to my point. Um, I will get to my point, but. Um, you know, if you ask uh, Devon, you ask Brian, you ask uh, Sal, you ask Ken, um, ministry is not all flowers and daisies the whole way, right? You experience some of the greatest pains in your life, some of the heartbreaks, some of the worst attacks that you'll ever get. And, and um, so uh, rounding back to where I wanted to go is that we see a decline in the church, right? People are walking away from the church. Churches begin to get a bad name, Right. We've, we're getting labeled as judgmental. We're getting labeled as hate. We're getting labeled as, as there's an attack right now on the church that wants to label the church as a hate group. That's scary. That's really scary. Because if you haven't figured out what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to talk about love. You know, we're going to be talking about love. And, uh, and for the church to be in a position today where, the, where we're being considered a hate group, 
That's a scary thought. Now we know, if you study, if you studied the word long enough, you know that the world is going to come against the church, and we are certainly heading into that direction right now. We know that that road is narrow that is going to be raptured, right? I, I should have looked it up, and I didn't do it again, but I did a message. I did, we taught through Revelation a couple years back, and I did the numbers on the 8 billion people that were on the planet, and I was being a nice guy saying that 4 billion people are going to go with Christ at the rapture. Let me tell you that it won't even be close. That won't even be close. So... Um, that the 8 billion people on this planet, 4 billion are going to end up going to hell. That's a sad number. That's a sad number. Especially, and again, I don't think that there's 4 billion Christians in the planet. I think, I think actually, um, the latest study that I've seen, I think they got at like 1.5 billion Christians on the planet that are walking, living, breathing children of God that are, that are truly sold out for the Lord. So, my heart breaks to think that there's 4 billion people guaranteed going to hell. That breaks my heart to think that there's that many that are going to go to hell. And you know, out of those 4 billion people, a bunch of them are my friends. And a bunch of them are my enemies. And we're called to do what? Called to love our enemies. To love our neighbor. But the first thing we're called to do is to love God. Right? That's the first thing we're called to do to love God. So, so think about your relationship with the Lord. Are you loving God? Because that's the first thing we're going to do. Now, all of us who are here, and I would say, yeah, you know what? We have a love for God. We have a love for God because we don't get up on Sunday morning and come to church unless we have a love for God. You know, so so I my younger life, I I knew. God, and I would go to church. I had a mom that absolutely would not allow me to miss church, right? So I grew up in the church. Wasn't saved, you know, but I grew up in the church and I knew, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord all the time, right? I, I mean, I, did, I wasn't allowed to miss. I had to go to youth group. I went to Wednesday night Bible study. I went to, when I was a kid, it was Royal Rangers that I went to and, and uh, yep, and, uh, um, and so I, I, I grew up in the church, so I, I learned a lot of head knowledge of the church, but I didn't love the Lord. I knew who God was, but I didn't, I didn't love Him. It wasn't until later on in life, in fact, I did, I did um, come to know the Lord at the age of 18, but I really didn't begin to live it out until after I got married and me and my wife made that commitment that we were going to serve the Lord. And, and, and then from there, there's a whole long story, and I'm not going to make this a two-hour message. So, um, But, but uh, um, here's the thing, uh, you know, that, that we're called to love, right? We're called to love, but if we're honest with ourselves, we can become very prideful and very arrogant in, in, in our Christian walk, right? And we begin to think, I'm not going to have anything to do with them because they don't love God. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to love every human being on this planet because Jesus had already said, he had already said to love our enemy and he said to love God and he said to love your neighbor. And so, uh, as Yvonne already said in Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy uh, 5, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And, uh, and the, obviously the whole 
message of that is your whole being, as like Devon had already said. It's your whole being. It's everything that you are. It's who you are. And uh, I, I got a, a gift. I'm, I'm really into stories today, and I apologize, and I try not to do this, but man, I'm in stories all over today. I don't know why. So I got a gift from the members of, of Imagine um, just yesterday. You know, and uh, it was it was amazing. I got pictures of everybody that that like man, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna cry. Um, so anyway, they uh, they wrote um, they wrote just just beautiful sayings about how um, how Imagine had touched their lives and how um, you know and, and 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 I look at some of them, some of them that I thought that you know, and the Lord. Why do you have me still loving this guy? You know, it's not Ryan. Um, you know, <laughs> why do you still have me in this guy? Why do you still have me loving this guy, Lord? Why? 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 I had people, including leadership, say, "Man, you got to cut him off. You got to send him out." Well, what's crazy is, is that um, this this particular guy, this one instance, he just finished the school of ministry and uh, graduated the school of ministry. You know, that's why. I, and this guy stabbed me in the back. I can't tell you how many times. Like, like, I, I kid you not, um, I was stabbed so many times in the back of this guy. My pastors were saying, man, leave him. My director's mission was saying, man, get him out of your church. You know, and, and, uh, and I still kept investing in this guy. And to see that the Lord did this. So, so anyway, we got this, 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 this book, and they were saying that how, um, how me and Teresa and... Uh, um, had sacrificed so much, you know, um, for, for Imagine through the years there. And, and uh, we kept thinking, you know, we kept thinking that, um, or, or Teresa, I forget exactly what she said, but she said, uh, um, we weren't sacrificing, we were just doing. We were doing what God called us to do. You know, and when you do what God calls you to do, it's not a sacrifice. It's a loving motivation. You know, we just love people where they're at. It wasn't our job to get them from here to there. It was to love them right here and walk with them as God took them to there. And so that's what, that's what we would do. We would get past ourselves. We'd get past our personal hurts. We have been forgiven of atrocities to my Savior. So how could I not forgive this guy because he talks crud about me? How can I forgive for this guy because he is you know this, that, or the other thing? You know? I love him because God loves me. And I put God on the cross. I put Christ on the cross. That's why I love him. Because I know what I did. And I know the grace that I was given. And I know the forgiveness I was given. And that's why you serve. So we got an opportunity to serve. As you see, North Park Baptist is growing. You got an opportunity to sit and ride and watch. Or you got an opportunity to get up and do something about it. To be a part of it. Be a part of what God is doing. It's not Pastor Sal that's doing something. It's not the leadership here that's doing something. It is God doing something. It's the body that is growing. And so be invested in that. So I, I, I encourage you during this revival that you be praying. And we'll, we're, I got a, a sheet for you. I'll get to you in a second. We're not there yet. I know I'm going into too many stories. But um, we need to be a part of that. So, so um so anyway, Jesus calls us to love, right? And he doesn't leave it there with love God with all your heart and all soul. He, he also, um, 
uh, he, he shares Leviticus with them where it says, Do not seek revenge or bear grudges against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. And then that comes back to our verse that we're focusing on today in Matthew 22, 37, where it says, The Lord replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. Now, um, Jesus just doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't tell us who our neighbor is, right? He doesn't tell us who our neighbor is. This is, this is the, the, the really hard one for all of us, is who is our neighbor, right? He doesn't tell us that. He doesn't tell us if our neighbor is the guy that physically lives next door. He doesn't tell us if our neighbor is rich or poor. He doesn't tell us if our neighbor is a good guy or a bad guy. He doesn't tell us our neighbor is a Republican or a Democrat, and I know that's touching some nerves, you know. He doesn't tell us who our neighbor is, does he? He doesn't tell us who our neighbor is, and so we, we don't get to choose who our neighbor is. You know, Jesus tells me that I'm supposed to love my neighbor as I love myself. You know, when I'm in harm's way, I'm going to typically move myself out of harm's way. When I'm hungry, I'm going to feed myself. When I'm cold, I'm going to put a jacket on. If I'm going to love my neighbor as myself, what am I willing to do? What am I willing to do? You know, because we don't know who our neighbor is. The point is, is that we got to be ready at every opportunity to love who God puts in front of us, regardless if we like them or not. We got to be willing to love them, you know. And so, the, and, and the truth is, we're not going to do that. We got to ask God to help us with this. We got to ask God to to help us with this. And let me tell you where you can start with this. All right, because I'm going to be heading up prayer, um, and this is. Now, I was guilty of this for a long time too, right? Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I, I, this, that, and the other thing. I got something going on in my life, and would you be praying for me? And we say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. And then what do we do? We don't do nothing. We walk off, we forget about it until the next time we see him. Oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, that's right. What, you know, how's that thing going? We might do that. But is that loving your neighbor? No. You know what you need to do now, and this is a habit you need to do. And let me promise you, that, that this is that, that your your prayer be heard. Like I'm not a good prayer, right? I'm short and simple, and I get it out and done. I don't like to draw out long, wordy prayers, and uh, I don't do that. But what you need to start doing right now, when somebody asks you to pray for them, right then and there, don't let them walk away without you saying, "God, you know their need, you know their heart. Walk with them." That's all you need to know, because. You have the Holy Spirit that goes before God with exactly what needs to be prayed, what needs to be said. You don't have to have the words. You just lift them up right then and there. All right? So that's a good habit um, to start right now for loving your neighbor. When your friends or family or the waitress at, we do that. I haven't done it a lot lately, but we used to, every time we'd go out to eat, obviously not lately because everything's been closed, but, um, and, um, but we would ask the, the, the waiter or waitress if there's anything we could pray for them about before we ate our meal. And then we would pray for them right then and there, you know, as we prayed for our meal. Um, so make those kind of habits of loving your neighbor, those simple little things that you can love your neighbor on. Give them a call, whatever you got to do. So, um, so what is the greatest commandment? I guess, again, 27 says, or 37 says that love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So I gave Ryan this thing here. I'm going to have him hand, it, hand them out to you. And... Uh, um, I want you to take, like, I'll tell you, um, I'll share this in the back. I should have put up a salad, but I didn't do that. But on the one side of this, it's going to be our prayer focus for the, for the church, right? Pastor asked me to give you guys some 
our focus is for this revival. And I'll read this personal revival, right? We need to, we need to have personal revival in our own life. And you'll, you'll get to see those um, in a second. But Isaiah 59, 1 through, 1 through 2 says that, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor too... Uh, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden uh, his face from uh, from you, so that he will not hear. Right? When I'm in a when I'm in a dark place in my my walk with the Lord, I I know exactly why I'm there because I'm in sin. You know, I'm in sin, and I I, I to tell you that you can probably set your watch by how often I'm in sin. You know, whether it is you know, like I call myself an aggressive driver. They, I don't road rage, they, but everybody says I road rage. I talk on the road. Like, man, are you going to go? Look, there's like 25 cars in front of you. Oh, can you just get over the slow lane? The left lane is for passing. And then you, I, I do that all day long in the car. It is absolutely wrong for me to do that because the person in that car is somebody that the Lord loves. Is somebody the Lord loves. Now, you ask my wife, my, my patience... Um, from from when I was young to today is night and day difference. Like I have grown in the Lord, but I'm not where I need to be. And so my patience will sometimes get the better of me. And I know this. And I repent of this on a regular basis. Lord, I, I blew it. Yelled at my wife, yelled at my kids, yelled at the car, you know, yelled at the TV, yelled at the news channel. I can't watch the news anymore. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't watch the news no more because I, mean, I found my, my blood pressure like up there. So I know that I'm in sin. So personal revival is that, you know what? We got to repent. Lord, you know what? I'm not the man I need to be. Paul said it. You know, I, I do the things I don't want to do. And, and, and I'm no different. You're no different. Personal prayer and repent. James 8, 4, 8 says, some near to God, uh, or, uh, you know what? Uh, Pastor Sal caught this last week. I did see it last week too. You have a pen in front of you. That is come near to God. So take a pen out in front of you and put a C over that S on the James 4 one. And uh, as you get into my, my uh, typing skills on the computer, as you can see, are absolutely excellent. Um, so that is come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, we need to repent and know who we are and know what we need to do so that we can begin to be in that right, loving relationship with the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.21, those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Do you want to be used by God? Say it. Do you want to be used by God? Yeah. Man, there is nothing more fulfilling than being a servant of the Lord. Like, I'm not talking that you have to go into ministry, but when God says, hey, love on that person, pray for that person, hey, just go encourage that person, you know what, bring a meal to that person. I mean, whatever it is that God asks you to do, it is a blessing and a half to, to, to do that in obedience and know that you did that in the service of the Lord. You know, be an instrument used for the kingdom. Then church revival. <clears throat> Revelation 4, Revelation 2, 4. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your, um, the love you once had first. You have forsaken your love. So, so, you know, and I'm not saying, like, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that God doesn't use almost any church, right? 
You know, but sometimes we can lose our focus in this because the, the way that scripture causes is that we're all part of the body, right? We're all part of the body. And the Lord can use the toe to do miracles. The Lord can use the finger to do miracles. The Lord can use the ears to do, uh, do miracles. The Lord can, you know, use all these different things to further his kingdom, right? And, uh, and to bring people to him. And so, uh, but I do think sometimes that we, that the church recently has got caught up in the, the, I don't know what the word I want to use, but has got caught up in cultural pushes these days. And we're called to be different. We're called to be different. We're not called to look the same as the world. We're called to be distinguishably different from the world. Love my, my English. We're called to be different than the world. And so if we're going with the world, we're not going to be as effective as being standing out from the world. We need to, be, we need to reach those in the world. Absolutely. Paul tells us that. We need to be able to reach, reach people that... Are, are in the world, but we need to be different from that. And it needs to be noticeably different. Acts 2, 42 says, the, um, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and uh, prayer. Devon called you guys out today. You know what? Let's spend 10 minutes in the fellowship hall after church. Spend 10 minutes in fellowship hall after church. Hang and talk and getting to know each other, right? And uh, doing that because when we're a family, there is nothing that we can't do. When we're close together, there is nothing we can't do. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously all to without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Ask for it. Ask God to use you. Ask God to give you the wisdom to pray, to talk, to minister, to do those things, and He will, he will be faithful. And when you, when you step out, you're going to have the words to do that are going to come from the Lord to help you with that. So that's that. Those are things. I would encourage you to read those every day You know, for personal growth. On the back... All right, we can't love God if we don't know God, can we? We can't love God if we don't know God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to stick your hand up or to, to tell me, but I'll tell you, I've been in ministry a long time. I would dare to say five of us in here have been through the Bible front to back. I, I would dare to say that, you know, that, that five of us have been, if we're honest, because I was that kid. Like, I grew up in the church. I've been in the church 40 years of my life. 50 years of my life. I've been in church since I was a baby. And until I got myself squared away with God, I hadn't read the Bible from cover to cover. Now, I'm not saying you need to read the Bible cover to cover, but I'm saying you need to be in the Word of God. And eventually, you'll cover the Bible cover to cover. So this, on the back, every one of you guys here, this is the New Testament in 60 days. All right? I got a 10th grade reading level, which means I read extremely slow. Like the book that we got the other day, my wife was done reading the, the letters in it. I kid you not, three to five minutes ahead of me before I got done reading those letters. All right? This is set up on my reading level. Right? And, uh, and if you look at day one, it's Matthew 1 through 4. So if you got your Bible, I want you to open your Bible to Matthew 1 through 4. And I want you to see, I want you to see the, the distance that is in Matthew 1 from 4. In my Bible, Matthew 1 to chapter 4 is three and a half pages. You know how long it takes me to read three and a half pages? 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So, our revivals are going to take place over the next 90 days. They're going to take place over the next 90 days. So, I want to challenge you from right now, today, the first day of the week, first day of the week, day one, I want you to begin to read every day. 
through the New Testament. And by the time we get to the second revival, we as a fellowship will have been through the New Testament. All right? So that's my challenge to you guys today is to read this one today. And if you fall behind, which, which we do, it's spend 40 minutes next day. Do one in the morning, do one in the evening. Catch back up. It's not hard. If you get three days behind, do one at breakfast, do one at lunch, do one at dinner. Set up a schedule that you can get to where you can catch up on it and do that. So I would start. I, I was a long time before I became a morning devotion person. Like I, my, Because I'm up an hour before everybody else now, I do my devotion in the morning. Um, I used to be a nighttime devotion. But I'll tell you that if you fall behind, you need to bump your devotion up in the morning because then it gives you three opportunities. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I call that your daily bread time with God. Whenever you eat, read scripture. You know, So um, I would start in the morning. Today we're, we're going to start it. So after church, read the first four today and then do one every day. You know, And it's not in order, so they bounce around some. So don't think I'm going to read Matthew, Revelation. That's not how it's all set up. Um, it's set up so you can get a gospel, then something else, get a gospel, something else, get a gospel, something else. So, so I, I encourage you to spend that time with God because we can't love God if we don't know who God is. We don't love God if we don't know who God is. And, and Christ gives us the best image of, of God. And, and uh, so I challenge you to do that. That's 60 days through the New Testament. And I do have one that takes you through the entire Bible um, as well. But let's start there. You know, let's start there. And then, you know, if the Lord permits, we'll, we'll look at the next one. So, um, so start there. Get to know the Lord. Spend time with Him. And uh, it'll be amazing what, what uh, you know, how you're going to grow in that relationship with the Lord. So... We can't love them if we don't spend time with them. That's the bottom line of that. And so, and, and here's the thing. Um, when we're called to love somebody, it's about relationships, right? It's, and it's not a stretch to say the entire Bible, if you break it down you know, to what it's talking about, it's talking about a relationship between God and a relationship with others. That's what it boils down to. Think about the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, start, start there, the Ten Commandments, you know. The first four are about a relationship with God, you know. No, no other images, no other, you know, no, no, no idols. Don't use the name of the Lord in vain. Keep the, the, the Sabbath holy, you know, no gods before me. Then this, the, the next six are our relationships with others. Don't, don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Don't steal, kill, lie, you know. Don't, you know, it, it, it's relationships. And when Jesus was asked about um, the greatest command in the Bible, he, he said that it's, it's, again, Matthew uh, um, 22, 37 says, the Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and the second is like it. It is like to love your neighbor as yourself. And, as, and all the law and the prophet hang in these two commandments. So um, let, me, let me ask you uh, this. Can we, can we say that we love God without loving our neighbor? Can we, can, I mean, think about it. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but think about it. Because um, if we love God... We're going to do what he's called us to do, right? And if he has called us to do to love our neighbor, and we don't love our neighbor, are we loving God? Are we love now? And I, I, think I see the the wheels going because there are some people that I absolutely can't love in myself. It's the truth of it. I can't do it in myself because whenever the and you, you probably got that voice in your head already right now, just speaking the back of your head, that voice of that person that is going to be the most difficult person for you to love because I hear mine. You know, you hear that voice and you cringe. You're like, oh, man, God, do I really have to love him? The answer is yes. 
The answer is yes, you have to love them. And, uh, and, and here's the problem uh, that we have with this. Is a problem. The, 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 the Pharisees and the scribes, they were trying to trick Jesus, right? They were trying to get him caught in a bind, and he, he stuck it to him when he said he mashed two, those two verses together, Deuteronomy and us together. He smashed them together because the Pharisees, they would put these limitations on the people that they would have to love, that they would have to care about, that they would have to acknowledge as their neighbor. And when Jesus smashed these together there, it kind of crushed their definition of who their neighbor really was, when, especially when, when he defined his neighbor as love your enemy and pray for those that persecute you. And uh, so they really, uh, it really threw a wrench into into the Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and the religious leaders' uh, idea of who is who. And so um, we, need to, uh, we need to love our neighbor as, as we love ourselves. And so, um, because God loved me when I was his enemy. That's, that's why we love our neighbors. So how do we love somebody? Um, do this. Now, a lot of the problem with when we, when we think of the word love, we think of a feeling, right? Oh, I got to like the guy to love him. I got to like the girl to love her, you know, but... But um, love is not a feeling, if you guys hadn't realized that yet. Love is a choice. Because, because there are some people that I promise you in my life that are never going to give me that warm, fuzzy feeling. They're just never going to do it. you know. And, and there's no way I'm going to get that, no matter how I try, and no matter how good I do for them, you know, I'm never going to get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Now, me and my wife, we do a lot of, of marriage counseling, right? And we use this scripture particularly on marriage counseling. And uh, it's 1 Corinthians, uh, um, 4, or 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 4 through 7, right? Probably most of you have heard it, but it's Paul's love chapter, right? Now, there's a whole paragraph before that. We're not going to get into that because I'm already running over, and we'll see where I go with this. But it reads like this. It reads, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Is any of those a feeling? There's not one in there that's a feeling, is it? Every one of those descriptions is a choice. It's a choice you'll make. Now, a bunch of years ago, probably 27 years ago, um, 28 years ago, somewhere in that ballpark, um, a pastor by the name of Mike Amons, they know, they know Mike Amons because they were, they were that. But 27 years ago, a guy named, a pastor named Mike Amons taught me and my wife how to read this chapter. All right. He taught us how to read this chapter this way. He said he told us that you know what you need to do is you need to put your name in the place of love and the object of your love at the end of the sentence. So I learned to read this thing, and it's been the me and my wife have been married 30 years now, and it's been the most amazing thing that we could have ever done. And we take this and share it with everybody. But Bill is patient with Teresa. Bill is kind to Teresa. Bill does not envy Trisha's success. She's got the college degree. I do not. She's got the college master. I do not. Um, and I, I don't envy that. I love that. <laughs> so uh, Bill does not envy Teresa. Bill does not boast at Teresa's expense. Bill is not too proud to admit when he is wrong to Teresa. Bill does not dishonor Teresa. Bill is not self-seeking at Teresa's expense. Bill is not easily angered at Teresa. Bill keeps no records of Teresa's wrongs. 
Bill does not delight in evil, but rejoices with Teresa in the truth. Bill will always protect Teresa. Bill will always trust Teresa. Bill will always hope with Teresa. And Bill will persevere with Teresa. All right, so that's in my personal one-on-one relationship with my wife. How do we do that with our enemy? The same exact way. I'm going to not be easily angered at the person that aggravates me to no end. I'm going to choose to be patient with them. I'm going to choose to be kind to them. I'm going to choose to to love them in the way that we're being described there. I'm not going to, because they stabbed me 25 times in the back already, I'm not going to hold that against them. I'm going to forgive them. And I'm going to move forward. Now, does that do I not put boundaries up in, in protection? Yes, I do. I set up boundaries and protection to, to, to keep me from being in that, that compromising position or to, or to you know, provoke me into to being angry. I set up boundaries in those areas. But I still forgive them. I still don't get angry at them. I still kind to them. And I still do that. And, and let me tell you, this is going to be one of the hardest things that you'll ever do for, for an enemy and for a neighbor. For a neighbor, it's easier. But for an enemy, it's a lot harder because we've already got a preconceived idea with an enemy. But for a neighbor, we can do these things, right? I think it's a little bit easier than some of them. We might struggle a little bit, but we can do these things with them. You know, we're going to be patient, kind. We're not going to envy, you know, whatever it is. We're not going to boast of ourselves at them. You know, we're not going to be too proud to say that I'm wrong. You know, and, and we put those things in this. And our Christian journey, you know, into, into, um, is to seek to love people the way that God loved us, right? And if we really think about, um, like, God should have cut me off a long, long time ago, you know? He, he, you know, he shouldn't, he, he, I, I would say he shouldn't have been patient with me. I probably should have had a, a, a few more spankings than I've had from the Lord. And I've had my share, but I know there's ones that he's like, you know what? That one's grace. That one's grace and mercy, you know? And then I've had ones like, hey, you, you cross the line, Bill. Step back. So God loves us unconditionally. And that's how, that's how we love others unconditionally. There's going to be people on this campus that we don't know. There's going to be people that come on this campus that maybe we do know. But we need to love them where they're at and walk with them to where the Lord wants to take them. And the way we do that is... is how Paul describes, you know, how we're to love them. And, and it's, it's, there's nothing that could be harder to love, you know, love like that, but there's nothing more fulfilling and exciting than when you find yourself in, in obedience to God and loving a neighbor or loving an enemy, you know. And, uh, and the way that we do that is that we got to befriend them. Those people that hurt you, you've got to develop some kind of relationship with them. Now, they may close that door off and it'll be taken right out of your hands. But if God keeps them in your life for whatever reason, not because you pushed them away, but because God moved them away from you, that's God. But if they're in your life and God keeps them in there, you need to show the love of God to them. You need to show how God loved you to them. And you need to, to, to endure that, you know, through that. You know, and so because as long as we allow the pain and 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 pride to keep others at a distance, they're going to remain strangers. We've got to develop that relationship. We've got to develop that relationship with it. I mean, you know, how, how can we love a God, you know, uh, every person? You know, uh, God loves every person and He knows exactly who they are. He knows the evil that, they can, that they, they're capable of and, uh, and He knows um, uh, uh, 
you know, who they are. And he has that, that desire to continue to draw, try to draw them closer to them. So we need to be careful, you know, about, you know, how we judge people. Because, if, again, if we let hate um, dictate our lives, you know, we're, we're never going to understand where these, other, the, these people are coming from. And uh, um, that doesn't mean that, that, um, that I know what causes people to, ca- um, to, to do evil. There's evil in the world. But if, if the Lord keeps them in my life, I need to be willing to love them you know, with the love of Christ and that they would be able to see that and know that there's something different about it. And uh, knowing God means knowing that God loves us despite of ourselves, right? So 1 John uh, 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another for God comes from, um, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Who, uh, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That, that's a pretty, uh, pretty big one right in your face, right? You know, it, it couldn't be any clearer that, that if, if we're born again, if we have uh, Christ in our lives, that we've experienced that love, but then we have to turn around and love others, you know, with that same kind of love. It's simple and it's difficult because loving others means putting them first. You know, that whole First Corinthians thing, it means putting that object of, of that love that we've been called to show first and making those differences. And it can be, you know, all this can be scary, which is, is uh, why Jesus didn't just come you know, uh, teaching it, but he lived it. You know, who did he have dinner with? The tax collectors and, and you know, the, the prostitutes. And, you know, he took the, 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 the if you ever watched Desley's Catch, you can hear the, the fishermen, uh, the way they talk. He took the fishermen with them. And he hung around with what would have been known as the dregs of society. And uh, then they became so involved in his life and realized who he was that there wasn't anything that they wouldn't do for him. You know, and that's, that's what we need to do with those ones that, that get under our skin. You know, and, and just a few days after this encounter with the religious leaders, Jesus, you know, he, he gathers his, his disciples and they go into the upper room and they have a meal together and, and then he leaves that safety and goes out to what he already knew was going to take place, right? His arrest and crucifixion. He knew that was coming. And uh, he still he still left the safety um, of of that uh, that place, you know, and went out and embraced his destiny, you know, and not only going to the cross to make, you know, he, he didn't go to the cross to to make God loving. He went to the cross to show how much God loves us. And uh, I mean, think about it. do you know how much God loves you? I mean, really think about where you were when you first met the Lord and where you are today. Think about what you, the sin that you live in, and what Christ has forgiven you. Because that sin is what nailed Christ to the cross. And, uh, you know, and I think it takes a lifetime of walking with the Lord, you know, to really just get a glimpse of how much He loves you. I mean, I got a glimpse of it, but I, I'm, I'm sure I don't have a iota of how much He truly loves me and how much He planned to be a part of my life from when he formed the world, you know, that's how much he, he loves us. And, uh, um, you know, I know, uh, I mean, think about it. People that are, that are here, people that are watching, you know, how much does God love you? How much has he forgiven you? You know, you know, do you know how much that, that, I mean, think about it. This is, this is tough. Um, this is really tough to think because, you know, you see all this Middle East crisis crud going on and you think, God, how could you possibly love the Muslims? He loves the Muslims as much as he loves you. He loves the Jews as much as he loves you. 
He loves the Republican and the Democrat as much as he loves me and you. He loves you beyond what we're capable of doing. You know, beyond the things that we do that. Jesus wasn't naive. He knew. He wasn't naive. He knew that what the the sin that was in the world, the evil that was in the world. And uh, and um, even on on the cross, you know, Jesus prayed. The, 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 the men that beat him, that whipped him, that that refused to listen to the truth being shared, he, on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I don't know if any of you have been in a fist fight, but can you, can you pray? And this is much worse than a fist fight. This was a scourging. This was a beating beyond human recognition. And yet, he still stops and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's amazing. That's amazing. When we know the, the, the love of God and Christ who laid down his life for us, then, and, and only then, can we think about loving others. You know, in John uh, verse 11, of, uh, uh, verse 10, I didn't tell him, uh, um, John 4, 10, it says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And in verse 11 it says, Since God so loved us, we, can, we also ought to love one another. And then... We, uh, and, um, we can, uh, through the grace of God, begin to legitimately look at an enemy and begin to, to love them, you know, the way that God loves them. And I only hope that, our only hope is that, that one, we develop a loving relationship with the Lord our God first and then begin to love out of obedience the way that He has loved us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that that you loved us so much that you created a way to have a relationship with you. That you've given us your word so that we can understand your reasoning and your thinking. And even this is not a full grasp of how much you love us. And Father, there are those of us in here right now that we've been entertaining sin. That sin that has put you on the cross. Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, search us and know us and convict us of that, that we would no longer want to be involved in that, that we'd want to leave that at the foot of the cross and take that atoning sacrifice of Christ, that forgiveness that you offered, in replace of that. Let us begin today to change those areas that you've already called us to leave behind. Let us today begin to love those that we're going to find it difficult to love. And let us today purpose to spend time with you every day to grow a relationship with you. And it starts again with Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. Well, we believe that. Jesus, you are Lord. And we recognize that. Give us the strength to walk in you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.